Welcome to In the Wake with Whitley. Here on this podcast, we cover mental health, life lessons, mindset growth, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. All right, I am back with a brand new guest here with me today that I am super pumped to talk to. I had actually signed up for a yoga class, an online yoga class with Hannah a while back, a couple weeks ago, I think. And I loved it. I was so drawn to her energy and her message. And so I'm super excited for you guys to get to know her along with me, obviously. (laughs) So I will let you introduce yourself a little bit. Who are you and and what is your story? Oh, thank you so much, uh, first of all, for having me and allowing me to share my story. Well, I am Hannah. I am a yogi. I am an artist. I am a creative storyteller, an author, a coach, a card reader, <laughs> a dancer. <laughs> the list goes on. Yeah, you do um, it all. I mean, I like to consider myself a jack of all trades, which <laughs> has led me to where I am now. But my story, wow, I guess just getting to where I am in my healing journey, especially in regards to sobriety and spirituality. It has been a long journey. I had an alcohol addiction for 11 years. And so I didn't even realize I was an addict until I stopped drinking. I had used alcohol as a coping mechanism for so long that it just became so second nature. And it was a part of me. So Mm -hmm. I I didn't really know anything else. And I started to self-sabotage through other, you know, areas of my life, relationships, especially relationships with men, like romantic relationships and Mm -hmm. drinking led to drugs for me. So it was just, it was an interesting path that I was going on. And that whole time I was still going to school. I was a dancer. I completed a bachelor of design at Ryerson University. And I, I almost say I was living like two lives, Mm, (laughs) like I was living this one life that I felt was not me, you know, going to school and sitting on boards with Sick Kids Toronto and and doing all this amazing work. But then the other side of me was was the addict. And so I started to believe that that other part of me, the parts of me that were actually benefiting my soul was a a facade. Mm -hmm. And that when I was drinking and I was partying and I was coping with alcohol and drugs, like that was my life. That's what brought me joy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it took a long time for me to get out of that. It actually took until I started working as an addictions counselor to realize that I still had a problem that I needed to deal with because when I started working as an addictions counselor in 2018, I stopped, I wasn't using drugs anymore. I was still drinking and I really thought I had it under control. Yeah, (laughs) And I laugh now (laughs) because it's like, oh, Hannah. And getting even to that point of working as an addictions counselor, like everyone's probably thinking, well, she graduated with a bachelor of design. Like what the heck happened there? (laughs) But in my undergrad, in the final year, we had to complete a capstone project. And I chose to educate about endometriosis. And that is a condition that I have. It's a chronic reproductive disease. 
not many people heard about it. That was back in, that was in 2017. I was diagnosed in 2016 and still endometriosis to this day is a medical anomaly, but I needed to raise awareness. I was getting to this point where it was taking over my life. Another reason I used alcohol to cope was it helped with pain for me. It numbed the pain. Yeah. I started to talk to other women who were experiencing issues with their reproductive and like, you know, their lady parts and, and no one was hearing them. Their doctors weren't listening. They weren't getting the help they needed. And it just made me reflect on how long it took me to get surgery for my endometriosis because no one believed me. And so I thought this is an opportunity for me to raise awareness through art. And so I started creating, I 3D printed uteri because that's the (laughs) plural for uterus and showcasing what a healthy uterus looks like and then what a uterus with endometriosis can look like. And having that tangible piece of art, like I had many other, you know, paintings and photography pieces and videography and the list goes on. But those pieces made the most impact because people could see and hold them. Mm -hmm. And it was that moment that I realized that, okay, yeah, maybe I have a, a Bachelor of Design, but I need to continue down this path of raising awareness for women's health. And so at the time I graduated from Ryerson and I ended up getting a job in marketing right away. And it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. But at the same time, I was working for a magazine as the creative director and designer. The magazine was called Femme Evolve. And the woman who started it and I, we both have endometriosis. And so that's what brought us together. And we created this magazine and it was incredible. It was out for a year. We did nine issues. And then I moved home because of my health. I was in Toronto. I moved back to Winnipeg because of my health. I was really struggling. My health had taken a really big decline. And part of that was because of my addiction. Mm -hmm. And so I moved home and I I was struggling for a while. I wasn't working. I was really trying to find myself again because let me tell you, I thought my world was ending leaving Toronto. I thought Mm -hmm. my world was over. Like that was it. I had built this life there for almost six years. And what was I doing? Right. But it was a blessing in disguise because I came home and I started to really get back into my yoga practice. I started practicing every day and using the philosophies of yoga, not just the asana, you know, the moving Mm -hmm. and the poses. As I started to do that, I started to find myself again through yoga and the strength that I had to continue to speak up for myself in the medical community because I was struggling so much and I I was struggling to be heard. One of my best friends, she was working at the Behavioral Health Foundation at the time and that's where I worked as an addictions counselor and she actually presented me with an opportunity to teach art to the women. And so I thought, of course, you know, like I'm not really doing much right now. I love teaching art. Let's do this. And then it turned into me actually starting to work there (laughs) part-time as a program support worker and then I fell in love with the job and the work and the women within two years, I had moved up to a management position. So it was a very fast acceleration in that field. And I was very lucky to have such support learning about mental health and learning about nonviolent crisis intervention, sorry, and trauma informed care and holistic healing and all these things that I had been doing on my own, but I didn't know what they were called. (laughs) And it was like all of these light bulbs went off at once that I finally had found where I was meant to be. And it was beautiful. And then I started to reflect on my own drinking. And that led me into my journey of sobriety. But the big thing here that's led me to right now is COVID. 
COVID, because I have endometriosis and I was then later diagnosed with liver disease. So I currently also have liver disease. And that was from treatment for my endometriosis. So not from drinking. (laughs) I actually said to my liver surgeon when we were talking, like, is this from, is this from my past? And he was like, no, Hannah, this is from prolonged exposure to estrogen. It's a one in a million type of thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's not common. They don't talk to you about it. And that's what frustrated me the most because for years, you know, I wasn't getting a period. They said, let's stop her periods. My periods were putting me in the hospital and I couldn't live my life. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let's do this. And I, and I, said to the doctors every time I went in for an appointment is not getting my period damaging is having this amount of hormones in my body okay right and of course there's not much known about hormones in the western medical world so the answer is yes Mm -hmm. it's fine you're safe whatever right and so by the time that I was diagnosed with liver disease I was diagnosed with these tumors my liver was almost 70 percent covered in tumors Wow. And I had known there was a problem for a long time, but I I wasn't heard. Right. And so I keep bringing this up. When I started working with the women at the addiction center, I started realizing that their voices weren't heard. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then COVID hit. And because I'm the immune compromised and I was working in a high risk environment, I had to stop working. Yeah. And that was (laughs) like... Another big, if you're familiar with tarot, it was like the tower card, you know, like everything is coming crashing down. And I really struggled because I was like, well, this was my identity. Yeah, (laughs) this was my life. This was my job, my job, my job was my life. And it really made me reflect on how unhealthy that was that I was so defined by that job. And there's nothing wrong with being in love with what you do. I'm I'm in love with what I do. But to get to the point where you feel like you're nothing because you don't have that Right. Having that identity crisis. Yeah, it was totally an identity crisis. And I think too, because I had gone through my sobriety journey with other women who were sober, working with sober women as the residents, but also most of the staff didn't drink. Mm -hmm. So it was this beautiful environment of being so supported all the time. Every single person knew the struggle. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm going to be on my own again with this. Yeah. And I mean, I'm blessed right now. I live at home. And so I have very supportive parents that have throughout my whole sobriety journey have been so supportive, even though I know my stepdad probably was like, what? She had a problem? (laughs) (laughs) But my mom knew. My mom would tell me, well, I think the first time she told me she she thought I had a problem with alcohol, I was 18. Oh, wow. I started drinking when I was really young, when I was 14. So anyways, long story short, COVID hits. I feel like I've lost everything and anything and I'm Mm -hmm. no one. And I just, again, yoga. (laughs) I went back to my yoga practice. I practice yoga every day, probably way more than the average person should (laughs) because I just, I love it. But I really started to dedicate my practice and I thought, okay, this is the time for me to do my teacher training. This is the perfect time because I was actually supposed to go to Costa Rica in this past September. I got accepted to a really, really well-known yoga school there and of course I couldn't go anymore and my thought at first was well I'll just wait till 2021 right it'll happen again and then it dawned on me like we don't actually know when 
when this is going to end? And like, why am I being so passive with my journey? I can do online yoga school. And so I had always planned on getting my yoga therapy certification after my yoga teacher training, because you need to have 200 hours before you can do that. Mm -hmm. And the yoga therapy program that I was planning to attend, and it's online, had a yoga teacher training program designed to take you right into yoga therapy. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So it was literally like everything divine timing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I dove head first into that. And I started to reconnect with the philosophies and learn more about dualism versus non dualism and really relating to tantra yoga, which believes in dualism, right? We are not mm-hmm. separate from the divine that really resonated with me. And so I started to fall back in love with myself on a spiritual level, because it was finally a chance for me to sit back and think, okay, how can I live my life that's going to work for me. Being chronically ill, as much as I had a supportive work environment, I didn't work 40 hours a week because I couldn't. I was often either had called in sick once a week or was sent home because I was in so much pain that they were like, Hannah, you can't be here. I started to realize like, I can't work a nine to five job. That's just not in the books for me. That's not in the cards or whatever you want to say. And so my good friend who I did the magazine with, um, you know, I worked for her for a year. She said, Hannah, why don't you start your own business? And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Me start my own business? I was like, no, I'll do that when I'm 35. Like (laughs) that's a, that's a 30 year old thing. I don't know. And I got really in my head and she just kept pushing me. And I know that she had been working for herself for a while. And and so I started doing like little challenges, like free challenges on Facebook or Instagram or different email marketing lists that I was a part of. And I started to build a brand without even Mm -hmm. realizing I was doing it. Right. I had my Healing with Hannah account and I created that as a side hustle. And I it started with yoga classes and tarot readings. <laughs> That's, that was when I first started. That's all I did. And it was beautiful. But then all these things started happening where I signed on to, to write a book. It was right. like, wow, where did this come from? Right. It was literally the same week that I registered my business number and business name that all these things started happening. It was like the universe was like, finally, Hannah. <laughs> You finally figured it out. This is what you're meant to do. You're meant to help other women become active participants in their own healing journey. Wow. Because I just witnessed for so long, myself included, how passive we can be. Wow. I am blown away by your story. So much has happened and it's just amazing where you have landed after all of that. Okay, going back to your addiction, you had mentioned you felt like you were living two lives. And I'm familiar with like recovery and addiction lingo. So would you consider yourself like a high functioning alcoholic? Like because you were still working and still doing all of this stuff. And you said you didn't even realize you had a problem until you stopped drinking. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yes, I was the textbook definition of an <laughs> alcoholic. Yes, it was 11 years of addiction, but it waxes and it wanes mm-hmm. like any type of addiction does, right? I wasn't always in the thick of it, but when I was... It was consuming. I don't know how else to describe it, but feeling like you're in a void. Everything but nothing exists all at once. Yeah, that makes sense. Coming to that realization that I was a high-functioning alcoholic really, really hurt me. I felt so bad for myself at first. Of course, I had to pity myself to get through that. But then I I remember just thinking like, really? (laughs) (laughs) 
really? How did it get to that point? But I mean, I will be honest here in Winnipeg, I grew up with groups of friends who every weekend we, that's what we did, right? Like we binge drank. I had friends who were drug dealers. I hung out with drug dealers. I was really putting myself in these environments so that, you know, when I became a young adult and I was on my own in Toronto, these behaviors had become so innate that I couldn't kick them even if I wanted to. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, I'm left speechless again because you're just so amazing and I'm so proud of you and the life that you've built. And it feels like you, you found your purpose after all of that. Thank you so much. I mean, I do like to say I I am on my dharmic path, right? Mm -hmm. I'm on my my soul's path. And COVID actually for me, and I think for a lot of people, if we take the time to go inward, which COVID forced a lot of us to do, we start to realize how much power we hold. Yes, I resonate with that. Absolutely. I feel like it's been a very eye-opening year. A lot of people are having different awakenings. Yes. Oh, I just got goosebumps as you said, (laughs) awakenings. It's so true. I mean, it's hard work. 2020 has been really heavy and really hard, but I feel like the love and light of spirituality doesn't encompass the entirety of our human experience. And so there has been these awakenings and these eye-opening moments for so many people or they're being forced to go inward, but it's hard. It's really hard to sit with yourself. It's really hard to turn inward and look at your shadow self and surrender. Oh my goodness, it is. I think as human beings, the hardest things for us to do is trust and surrender. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know I struggle with it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not easy because we go through so many things in our lives that can orient us not to be, you know, to have faith or not trust. Mm -hmm. And then when we don't trust, we're really, I like to think of it as like we're closing ourselves off from love. Yes, yes. And that connection. Okay, so we're kind of going to bounce back between talking about your sobriety and your spiritual journey. So I always like to ask before we dive too far into the subject, what you believe like the myths or stigmas are regarding that subject, because usually it happens naturally as we define what it is, we usually end up describing what it isn't as well. So I'd like to give you the chance to maybe bust some myths or rewrite the stories we may be subconsciously believing or consciously. So yeah, what do you feel are the biggest myths or misunderstandings people have regarding spirituality or the divine or maybe what's stopping them from turning inward? Oh, I love this question. There's going to be a couple answers here because that's just how I work. (laughs) But I think a lot of times, and this is like my own personal experience, spirituality, I I stayed far away from it because I thought it was so closely related to religion. Mm, Yep. Growing up, my parents are divorced. And so my dad is very, very vocal being an atheist. And so he always said, well, whatever, I don't believe anything, whatever. That's his choice. I was conditioned with that. And then... On the other side with my mom, my grandma is a practicing Christian. She's really wanted me to follow that faith. And so when I was young, like I I read the Bible and she wanted me to go to Sunday school. And then my mom met my stepdad and he's Lutheran Catholic. So we started going to a Lutheran Catholic church. Oh, wow. (laughs) So there was a lot of, I want to say voices coming at me from different directions that like, I just felt so overwhelmed that I was just like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) 
this is not for me. If anything, I'll tell you what got me started and and people might laugh or people might be like, oh my God, she's a witch. And I'll I'll wear (laughs) that title very well. I am a witch, come from a long line of witches on my dad's side. Mm -hmm. But I started practicing black magic and witchcraft when I was about 10. And I did seances and a lot of seances. I learned the hard way not to to do those types of things. But my stepmom was very into this stuff. So she taught me a lot because her family practiced black magic for years Mm. and years and years. So it was so much coming at me. I really did give myself and because I am, I know I've always been a highly spiritual being since the moment I was born, I did start to give away that type of power to, I guess, like more negative forces. Mm -hmm. So when the time came that I understood that spirituality is actually connecting with ourselves, it was like, I don't even know what happened, a whole new world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a whole world opened up. I woke up. And I started to understand that while I was getting messages from spirit, I am spirit. Mm -hmm. You are spirit. Mm -hmm. We all are spirit. And so no wonder this human experience is so hard because we're just spirits trying to be human and we're carrying so much. And so I think the myth would be that just understanding that you are not separate from the divine. You are the divine. Mm, I love that. And whether you choose to believe in dualism or non-dualism, I think that at the end of the day, we have the power and ability to change our lives. And that, isn't that divine? I really like that question. There's so much that more that we could get into with this. But I think the big thing that I I want people to take away is that you are the divine. Yes. And you have everything within you to heal. Yes. I love that so much. Someone that I am close to had said to me once, she said, I am God and God is me and we are all interconnected. And I really do believe no matter what you call your higher power, we all have these terms and these labels and we've kind of put spirituality into these boxes. And I think that's what religion can do sometimes is, is box it in and try to define it. But it, it's so vast and it's these huge concepts that we don't usually understand everything. It's hard for our human selves to grasp, but I feel like no matter what you call it, it's all the same. It's all the same feeling. And it's all that connecting to yourself and connecting to a higher power in the universe. And I just think it's, it's beautiful. I think so too. There's actually something that came to me that I want to share is, and it was a good friend who shared it with me too. She said, spirituality is like a room, Mm -hmm. the big, big room circle. And there's a bunch of doors and the doors are different colors, different sizes, different shapes. And we all enter at different times through different, through these different doors. It doesn't matter how or when, it just matters that we got there. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. When she told me that, I was like, I'm saving this and saying it anytime I can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. It creates a perfect picture for what I was trying to describe. Thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Okay. So going back to your personal journey, what do you feel was like the climax or the turning point for you in life? Like how did you start this journey of healing and recovery and deepening your spiritual connection? When did that happen for you? 
Oh, I can tell you the exact date. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, January 1st, 2019 is the day I stopped drinking. So I woke up that day after a very intense New Year's. I don't even know what to call it. I just like <laughs> damaged my body in more ways than I can count that night. A voice said to me, and I swear it was my grandpa. He said, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but it was like a literal wake up call. Like, what the fuck am I doing? Right. From that moment on, I just decided I'm not going to drink anymore. Hmm. I'm not going to put a timeline on it. When I had put timelines in the past, it was like, oh, yes, countdown, few more days. Yeah, yeah. So this time it was like, no, I'm not putting a timeline. I'm just going to not drink. This is not doing me any good. Things are happening. So I decided to stop drinking. And I was like, great. I went, you know, a month was feeling really good. I I kept going. It was hard. I had to literally tell all my friends, do not invite me places. Right. Do not ask me to come out. You know, like, please, please honor these boundaries for me because I'm really going to try to do this on my own. And so they were all really respectful. A lot of them pushed back, but I know that was their own insecurities, right? It wasn't anything to do with me. It was in February of 2019 that I was diagnosed with liver disease. So that was the icing on the cake to not drink anymore. It finally occurred to me why my liver hurt every time I drank. (laughs) Right. I'm not even kidding you. When I drank, and this happened because I relapsed three times, and that's just a part of addiction, my liver felt like it was being used as a stress ball. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like someone was just like, oh, I'm just going to squeeze you and squeeze you and squeeze you. And to the point where like, you know, you're in so much pain, you can't eat, you're nauseous, you can't walk, you can't see. It was bad. So that was that realization. Okay, this, this (laughs) this is my time to start really taking my healing seriously. So Along that way, when I moved home, so it was 2017, end of 2017, when I moved home. And because I was living back at home, my mom is amazing. And she really pushed me to start going to see a new gynecologist, asking the right questions and whatnot. So I started to do pelvic floor physio for my endometriosis. I have a team of amazing specialists for my liver disease. And so it was just that realization that like no one else is going to, yeah, I have help, but like no one else is going to get this going but me. I took a really hard look at like my diet, what I was eating, my environment and a process like anything, right? Change takes time and patience. But yeah, it became like a whole lifestyle change. You know, I had stopped drinking and I'd stopped doing drugs. So anyways, I started changing my diet. I started using only all natural products. And that was really like the physical part, right? I realized that like I needed to heal my physical body and then I could start going inward because I think for a lot of people, it starts with exercise, right? It starts with the physical aspects and then we start to realize, oh, I'm giving time for myself to heal and and work out or do yoga or whatever. It's like, maybe I deserve more time for myself to read that book (laughs) (laughs) or take a nap if I'm not feeling good. Like there's all these things. And so I really started to just honor myself Mm -hmm. and listen to my body. And so I started to find all these different holistic practices that were helping me. And then because they helped me, I got trained in them. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Because I was like, if they help me, they, they could help others. And, and so this journey in since February of 2019 till now has been so fast and expansive, because I was literally just like, this is my responsibility. I'm not going to stand down. Yeah, I'm going to keep speaking up about one, what I've gone through. My addiction didn't happen overnight. I was 
sexually abused when I was two. And then again, throughout my teens, I was emotionally abused, psychologically abused for three years in a different relationship. He was also an addict. It was very tumultuous. And so with all of these things that I had experienced, I started to realize getting sober. Wow, I've never healed these parts of me. Yeah. (laughs) I'm carrying all these wounds, these trauma wounds that I don't need anymore. Well, no wonder you were self-medicating. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I didn't understand. And I write about this in my book, especially when it came to relationships with men, because I've been sexually abused so young, I just thought that that's what men wanted, right? Like they had no other duty besides to like fulfill a man's sexual needs. So that really, really affected me throughout my addiction. I had no respect for myself. A guy would smile at me and I'd be like, hello. You know, like I was so vulnerable. Everyone could see it. People are drawn to that. Yeah. So I brought in a lot of other vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. And and then I started carrying their trauma wounds vicariously. And also because I've always had this, I've always wanted to help and help people heal. So I've always been the the mom of the friend group or Mm -hmm. like who everyone goes to for advice or when they need something or whatnot. A big turning point for me was actually reversing the roles and finally asking for help. Seriously, your journey is just amazing. Again, I'm so proud of you. To me, what was coming up and what it it sounded like was that it was almost a returning to your body because you were numbing out. You were running away from those feelings and and the trauma by self-medicating and not wanting to feel. I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth now. But then returning inward and actually sitting with yourself and listening to your body's needs, again, just returning to yourself instead of abandoning or running away or trying to self-medicate. And so I think that your process is beautiful. And, And also the way that you really showed up for yourself and advocated for your needs and pursued so many different avenues to heal yourself physically, but also like heal yourself mentally. Cause I know that is an aspect of addiction. It's just beautiful. Thank you. You did take the words out of my mouth. So don't worry. <laughs> it's like, oh, she said that perfectly. <laughs> but, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. Really just thank you. I mean, even being acknowledged is huge, right? I don't think we acknowledge our own accomplishments enough. And so just hearing you say that, it makes me smile. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you've come so far. Okay, I want to get something straight off of your timeline. So were you an addiction counselor while you were still drinking? Or was that after your healing process and like in recovery? No, I was still drinking when I started working. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was still drinking. I wasn't drinking very often, but when I was drinking, oh, lordy, I was binge drinking, really. Like, again, because I had used alcohol to cope for so long, I didn't even know how to enjoy it, you know? Like, it was like, oh, I'm drinking this to get drunk because that's what I've just been doing for so long. So at that point, yeah, I was still using and I was drinking and working there, I think it was four months, and then I got sober. And I was very honest with all of them about it, like staff and residents. I mean, that vulnerability and that connection, you have to be. 
And again, like I said, like at that time, I didn't realize that I had an addiction. It was more as I kept working and learning about addiction and reflecting (laughs) on my own journey. Yeah, yeah, I really came to that conclusion that I was a high functioning alcoholic. And that broke my heart. But you know, I was able to pick up all those pieces of my broken heart and put them back together myself. That felt really good. Yeah, I'm sure that you were an addiction counselor, I'm sure that probably opened your eyes just like learning about it and being able to finally put language to what you were experiencing. And I know for me and like my own journey, educating myself and finding that vocabulary to describe what I was going through, it's empowering. It's also really hard and really scary to finally have words from it, but it's also validating because it's like, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone in this either. This is a real thing. This is a real problem. And there's also hope for me. Like I can Mm -hmm. heal from this and I can find purpose and life outside of that. Yes. Honestly, I mean, it was working with these women and hearing what they've been through. And I, I don't think anyone's trauma is worse or better, but wow. I just remember thinking like, I have so much support. Yeah. And I have so many people believing me that I can do this. I can do this. And if these women can do this, why can't I? We all have a choice. And so for these women, some of them who were homeless, who'd come from jail, who'd lost their kids multiple times to CFS, kept choosing to try and try and try again. I just thought, why am I not choosing that? Right? Okay. So What does sobriety look and feel like on the daily for you? And maybe compared to your life a year, five years ago, like how has that changed for you? Oh, wow. I mean, I like love myself. I love my life because of being sober. I think obviously it's taken time. I've been sober for almost two years. And so I still have thoughts, you know, I have to be really cognizant about when alcohol is out. You know, my parents, they still drink. It's fine. I have no problem against anyone who drinks. It's your choice. But for me, like I have to, it's almost like I acknowledge that the the bottle's there or there's like something out, but then I really have to be like, okay, well, this is what I'm focusing on. This is what I'm doing. Because for so long, like you said, if I look back to five years ago, I was drinking every day. Like it was like just this normal thing. I'd get up and have a drink at whatever, like 10 a.m. before going to to Ryerson to class or like put a gin and tonic in my thermos, be so dazed and numb. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know how I graduated. Like I (laughs) I did work really hard when I wanted to. But yeah, on the daily now, it's just coming back to myself. Like I really have found routines has been extremely helpful for me. I think for anyone, (laughs) routines are super important. Obviously, when I was working as an addictions counselor, I was trained in NLP. So learning how to rewire my own thought patterns and how I view the world and my my life. And so I started a morning routine. (laughs) It sounds so simple, but I was never living my days for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just like, answering the external world, whatever I had to do. 
And so a morning routine allowed me to start my day with everything I want to do. For me, a big thing about this is I keep my phone on airplane mode till nine in the morning. I'm lucky that I'm my own boss. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't really have anyone to answer to. It wasn't like, you know, in my past, but putting my phone on airplane mode at 9 p.m. and leaving it on airplane mode till 9 a.m. the next morning really allows me to start my day from a place of internal power. And it's a reminder that like, this is my life and I always have the choice. And so Mm. I get up and I choose, I'm a really early riser. So I get up (laughs) and I watch the sunrise while I eat my breakfast and I journal and I write poetry and I read cards and I do yoga and all these things that bring me so much joy. So that when I do go into my day, my work day, my everyday life, I'm really coming from a place of this is mine. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yes, it totally does. It's like instead of just running on autopilot and going through the motions of your day, it sounds like you're being very intentional and mindful of your surroundings and, and mindful of your place in the world and your relationships. And I'm sure with sobriety, you have to be super conscious and aware of all of those things. Like you said, being around your parents or alcohol, like instead of just tapping out, you have to be conscious, especially when there's like triggering things or hard, uncomfortable emotions or situations could come up. So that's amazing. And it sounds like you just, you choose you over and over again. Yes. I do. (laughs) It's so important. I mean, I talk about this with my clients and I've talked about this with residents, you know, when I worked as an addiction counselor is that it's us. Yes, you may have a partner and parents and kids and friends and whatever. But like at the end of the day, this is your life. You satisfy yourself because once you do start to satisfy yourself, what you want truly, everyone benefits. Yep. That's another thing that people need. It's a myth or whatever, right? Like, no, no, no. I'm responsible for everyone else in my life. So I'm curious when you started to shift into recovery and sobriety, I know you mentioned before that all of your friends were kind of in the same place, being surrounded by people that were into heavy drinking and drugs. Like, how did that shift? Because I know you said it was a whole lifestyle shift and the phrase like where the sum of the five people were surrounded by so did who you surround yourself with shift and did you have to kind of create a new community or did people kind of level up with you Oh my gosh, you know, I love that. I just got goosebumps. My core group of girls all leveled up with me. It was like oh, wow. I inspired a lot of my friends to stop drinking or to really reflect on their drinking patterns. It's amazing. It was. Even some of my friends who I never thought would stop drinking. I mean, that's how people thought about me. (laughs) I remember telling people that I was sober that I hadn't seen in a while and like people would laugh because they just couldn't (laughs) believe the complete like, I want to say 360, but like 580. Like I just kept (laughs) going in circles until finally like landing in this in this spot. But of course, there's friends that I quote unquote lost, but that's okay. You know, people come into our lives for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so those people were in my lives because of whatever, right? Like we had fun together. We drank together. They did support me. You know, they had my back when we went out to like sketchy parties, but, (laughs) but that's not the basis of a friendship Uh (laughs) or a relationship. So I love that you asked that because yeah, I am so impressed with my girlfriends and even my boyfriend. When we started dating, I was drinking. He laughs always at the timeline because he's like, people are going to think you got sober because of me. (laughs) 
trust me, no one's going to think that. But yeah, so he's been on this journey with me and he's actually like, he barely drinks anymore because he started to realize like, wow, I actually like, just like being sober. (laughs) We don't need to drink to have fun or whatever the case may be. And so it's been so, I just think of sunshine and sparkles because it just makes me so happy. (laughs) I am so happy to hear that. That is absolutely amazing. And that you guys were able to kind of inspire each other and probably hold each other accountable. That's so cool. So we've mentioned, you know, surrendering and learning to trust here and there. So Let's dive deeper into that. What does it mean to surrender to you? And how have you surrendered or trusted the universe in your life thus far? Oh my goodness. This is uh, sometimes when I get asked this, I'm like, I don't know if people are going to like my answer. (laughs) Honestly, for me, it's been prayer because my grandma's Christian and she really wanted me to be a practicing Christian. I started praying. Ooh, I don't even know. Where, I can't remember the age because it just started happening when I was so young. And so I've always prayed. Maybe when I was younger, I was praying to God. Now I pray to source or I pray to different Hindu deities because that's mm-hmm. just my practice and like my spirit guides as well. Just knowing that like there's so much help You're literally surrounded by abundance and assistance and guidance. It's just waiting for you to ask for it. All we have to do is ask and then be open to receive. And receiving is hard. It is. It's hard to listen. Right? Whenever I really need to surrender to something, I need an answer, I need guidance, whatever it is, I really have to get myself to a state of calm, peace, whatever. So I do yoga, I meditate, but then I I take that time to go inward and and ask, just ask and say, you know, I'm ready to receive it when the timing is right. Because you know, things never happen on our timeline. (laughs) And you know, for listeners, don't stop asking, don't stop dreaming. Because the more you dream, the more you ask, the easier it is to surrender. Wow. I actually do love that answer. Prayer, it's just another form of communication and connection. Whether it's prayer or meditation or journaling, everyone can explore what works for them. But that's amazing. And that's your way to surrender and listen and also ask. So I love that. Thank you. You know, you've mentioned yoga and tarot cards a little bit and prayer. What are your spiritual practices? What have you done to nourish your spiritual self? Well, obviously, yes, the stuff that I've mentioned and and even like you just mentioned journaling. Journaling is huge. I always and like I tell clients this all the time is like it literally just like gets it all out of your head. Yes. <laughs> like it yes. clears your head. I'm big on mind dumping when I journal. So just like getting out whatever is in my head. I'm not really big on prompts. But anyways, that's besides the point. But I also I use sound bowls. So I'm really into mm-hmm activating our senses when it comes to healing, right? Because we've been gifted five senses in this physical body. So how can we integrate that into spiritual healing? So that's been big for me. I used to do acupuncture, but then COVID, so I haven't been able to go. So I started doing acupressure. (laughs) Very similar to acupuncture in yourself, but obviously you're not using needles. I do a lot of Tai Chi, Qigong, So a lot of energy work, chakra healing is huge for me. Like, oh my gosh, chakras, learning about chakras was one of, I should have mentioned this before, I was talking about so much, was a pivotal point for me because I quote unquote, have been healing when I started this started this journey in 2019 was healing from the root chakra up. 
and, and connecting to all of them. So I come back to my chakras every day. I check in with every single one of them multiple times a day <laughs> to see it where I've given away power, you right. know, or where I right. take other people's energy. For me, spiritual healing and energy healing have gone hand in hand. That totally makes sense. And I love that. To kind of wrap up a little bit, your journey thus far, whether that's spirituality, your spiritual connection, or through sobriety, what have been those hard truths that you have had to learn and embrace along the way that might even be a part of the surrendering? For me, the biggest hard truth was that like, no one's gonna do this but me, Mm -hmm. you know, no one is going to tell me to go get the help. Like I have to do it myself. I have to want it. And also knowing that I'm not a burden. Yes. I wore that as a badge of honor almost that I have been a burden to everyone in my life since I was born. And so that's something that I really had to unlearn about myself. That was really hard. Yeah. Cause that can totally block you from receiving help or asking for help. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, once I finally asked, especially when it came to my physical health, oh my goodness, it was like the floodgates opened. Right. And the right people just kept pouring in to help me and, and like beautiful things. Like I got this one woman offered me her health coaching program eight weeks for free because she was so, I want to say flabbergasted because that's the word <laughs> she used with my journey. Wow. And she just really wanted to help. And that was amazing. That's awesome. All right. So again, to wrap up, what do you want listeners to take away from this episode? And further, what would you say to someone struggling with these things? Oh, man. Well, I know I went on a lot of tangents. And so for the (laughs) listeners, thank you for following along. If anything, just remembering that you are not separate from the divine, Mm -hmm. and that you have everything within you to heal. It is innate. We are part of nature. Nature knows how to heal. Mm-hmm. So, so do we. Yeah. Our bodies are just so powerful and yes. so intuitive. Yes. And so if you're struggling with sobriety or mental health or whatever the case may be, know you're not a burden, first of all. Understand that and know that you can ask for help, whatever type of help you need, right? It could be someone just going to get your groceries because you're overwhelmed with work. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be so big. I think when we start asking for help in small ways, then it helps us ask for help in those bigger ways when we think like, I don't deserve that. Baby step it, baby step it all the way. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I feel like I could talk to you forever. I am just blown away and also so filled up by you. So thank you. So if people want to reach out and connect with you, work with you, where can they find you? Yes, of course. So you can find me on my website, healingwithhannah.ca. Hannah is H-A-N-N-A-H. It's a palindrome (laughs) from in the back. And then also I wrote a book, (laughs) which is really exciting. And it's on Amazon. So my book is called Entering the Divine, One Breath at a Time. And it's an exploration of healing through sobriety and spirituality. So it's really my story and it's raw and it's real and I don't hold back. But overall, it is a journey of trusting and surrendering. So if you are struggling with that, my book is the go to. (laughs) (laughs) And then otherwise, you can find me on Instagram at healing.with.hannah. And all my information's on Instagram and my website. I'm a feminine healing coach. So I work a lot with women who struggle with hormonal issues as well as past trauma, energy blockages, the list goes on, but you can find all that information on my website. 
Awesome. I will have all of those linked in the show notes below for anyone that does want to reach out. And that book is newly released, right? Was it at the end of November? Yes, I released it on November 30th. (laughs) That's so exciting. So of course, if anyone resonated with Hannah's message, go check that out. That's awesome. Yay! I'm so (laughs) excited about it. So I have it here right beside me. I carry it with me everywhere. Oh, I love that. It's your little baby. It is. is. (laughs) All right. So I end my episodes with a little song recommendation because music has been so powerful in my own healing journey. So I always like to know if you have a song that deeply resonates with you and your story. Oh my goodness. So maybe people think this song is cliche for me to say, but honestly, All You Need Is Love by The Beatles. I'm a huge Beatles fan. I have been... Since I can remember, my dad is a huge Beatles fan. All You Need Is Love is a song I come back to anytime I'm feeling overwhelmed or like Mm -hmm. I'm not deserving or anything because that's all we need. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a perfect pick to wrap it up. Thank you. And thank you again for sharing your story and being so real and vulnerable. I really appreciate you and your message and the work you're doing. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. I am humbled. I am honored to have been here and to have chatted with you and the listeners. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your days to find out more about me and hopefully learn more about yourself. Yes. All right. That is all we have for you guys today. So thanks for listening and tune in next time. I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.